to the David Glenn Show. It is free for all Friday. That means mostly your phone calls. We carve out one day a week where we follow your lead. But we do have one guest, and she is a special one. She was there for the debacle. Tampa 20, Carolina 14, Bank of America Stadium. The boos were raining down. At some point, I just wondered if Caroline Can, sideline reporter for the Carolina Panthers, was okay. I mean, there was a lightning delay, a lot of rain. Caroline, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Uh, I typically say, how are you in the general sense, but how are you in the specific sense after, before we get to the football, after the unusual weather conditions last night? Yeah, I appreciate your concern, but all is well. I was fine, although I did have to stay out there a little bit longer than everyone else because... I have to let people know what's going on. So right. As the field was clearing, I was running across the field, running back across the field, and I thought to myself, I either need to get off this field now or they're going to run me off this <laughs> field if I don't hurry up and get out of here. Well, it was interesting. As you were doing your job, in all seriousness, there were a lot of people who were told by their employers not to do their job. Uh, you were on the field, so you may not have even seen this angle, but the TV broadcast repeatedly was talking about the use of only four cameras rather than the regular 20-plus because the NFL Network truly told most of their employees not to be out there in the elements. Was it your sense that Ron Rivera or anybody else said that on a review or anything else that re required replay, the smaller number of cameras you know, impacted the competitive outcome of the game? I didn't hear anything about that. And normally what happens in those situations is they will eventually go back to their post. So I know it was, you know, when we came back, I think they were only running with about two cameras and then it slowly grew to eight. Um, and, and it may have gone up from there. But, yeah, that, that is kind of par for the course. But really when it comes down to replays or anything like that, a lot of times it's just the in-house cameras that are used for the video boards. I mean, all of those were up and working properly once the delay was over, so I don't think that played any kind of uh, factor in the game. As you would have guessed, Cam Newton is front and center in the conversation. He even made himself that last night. I have to be better. I didn't get it done. Hard to look my defensive teammates in the eye. He even apologized for the fans and said, you all deserve better. He didn't throw well, and he's hardly running at all. People are asking, could this be in part a physical thing? Is it a game plan thing? Or is Cam simply not executing? Yeah, I think it's a mix of many things. I'm interested to hear Ron Rivera today. He's going to speak around two um, once he got a, a look at the film and kind of went through play calling of what was available for Cam out there, some decisions that they're allowing him to make on the field. But I, I kind of am I'm going to go to an article that I, I actually read this morning uh, from Sports Illustrated about how really this change, and we've heard all offseason about, you know, Cam Newton, he doesn't have to be Superman anymore, he's changing his throwing motion, um, all of these things. And it almost reminds me, because of this article, of Ben Roethlisberger about six or seven years ago, he changed the way that he played the game. He became a little bit less aggressive. I saw it with Andrew Luck two years ago when, you know, he was running over linemen and, and pretty much being a tight end out there, and they had to rein him in and say, hey, stop doing that. Um, we need you to play longer in this game. And so, you know, I, I think when you look at the way that Cam Newton has played over these past couple of years, he has been Superman. He has been the guy that is, you know, diving over, running over. He would have gotten the ball on that last play of the game and been asked to run the ball. And I just – I think it is a lot of things. Of course, the injuries – they're going to raise questions and you're going to wonder, is that why he's not getting the ball? Is that why he's not doing this? But 
I really think it's a it's a larger conversation than just pinpointed at his injuries. Um, I think it's just this shift in maybe how they're handling Cam Newton, knowing that he is 30. They do want him to continue to play for years to come, and some changes have to be made. Through the TV, we could see a lot of the football, the X's and O's, and even some of the emotion and the energy. You were there. Uh, paint the picture of the boos, the volume of those boos, the sense of frustration, or even body language. You know, Ron Rivera looked like a stressed man on TV, at least, when he was answering some of those questions. He's always professional, always polite, but he sounded like a guy who was worried what this 0-2 start means for his future and for this year's Carolina Panthers. What all did you just feel before, during, and after the game along these lines? I really think the, the kind of point that sticks out to me was at the end of the game when really the Carolina Panthers put the outcome of this game into the ref's hands. You never want to do that, but they did, and they didn't capitalize. They didn't make the throws. They didn't do the things on offense that they needed to do to make sure that didn't happen, but they were frustrated at the end because the calls that came down, the reviews that came down, um, it didn't bounce in the way of the Panthers like they thought it should have. Now, that's one thing that I am interested to listen to Ron Rivera because each team can turn in to the league some calls that they think the refs got yep. wrong. Now, it doesn't mean anything in the outcome of the game, but at least to get some feedback because uh, there were some things that I'm even looking at as I'm standing down there, obviously being influenced by those that are around me, but I'm thinking, I think this might be overturned, and then they come out and keep it the same. So really, the frustration, I think it was definitely taken out on the refs because they were the ones that were making the calls and not overturning them when they thought they should have, but Really, it was just a buildup. I mean, I saw Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey and, you know, some of those offensive leaders really leaning in and saying, guys, we've got to do something here. We've got to get something going. But it was definitely a frustrating fourth quarter for this team. But I think it was just a frustrating game. And in the fourth quarter, when it came down to, oh, my gosh, we might lose this game. You saw some of those frustrations really boil over. Caroline Can is joining us. You can follow her on Twitter at N Caroline Can N Caroline and then C-A. And, and the Panthers did a lot of good things on defense. Luke Keekley, uh, James Bradbury did a good job of limiting uh, Mike Evans. But when you're 0-2, and you probably know this stat, since the NFL adopted the divisional format in 2002, only about 11% of 0-2 football teams end up rallying to make the playoffs. Now, one of those was the 2013 Carolina Panthers. Where will Ron Rivera lean in that locker room? Some guys are, some great players are quiet. Others are true leaders. Where, where do you think that uh, backbone is going to have to come from as the Panthers try to dig out of a hole here? Well, I think it has to be on Cam Newton, and I think he knows that. Um, I mean, it's, it's the way that he's led this team for years. He's been that emotional leader for them. And they're looking for him to do that again. We heard Trey Boston say last night in the locker room that he would love to see Cam go back to having fun out there. And that he understands that, you know, Cam's maturing, his game is maturing, so he's going to handle some situations differently than he did in the past. But he just he wants to see him go back out there and have some fun. And there is a lot of pressure on Cam Newton. Everyone's talking about him, whether he puts it on himself or not. You know, I mean, he go into that press conference last night and he says that it's not on him, we're still talking about today how it's on him. So there, you have to look at your quarterback, and I think that's how it is across the league. But I think also, you know, this was a bit of 
a conversation, a topic that we talked about this offseason is there's a lot of new faces on this team. How are the new faces going to gel with some of the more veteran leadership and the Luke Keekleys and the Greg Olsons and even the CNCs and Cam Newton? You know, how are they going to mesh well? And Trey Boston, again, last night was pretty vocal. He feels like they're still in an identity crisis and they're not able to quite figure out who they are in the moments that really matter as a locker room. He feels like they're still missing a swagger. So, I mean, we know the names. We know we've seen them in years of being able to find that swag and um, other years being able to, you know, stumble over themselves as they get through the season. So hopefully this 0-2, I mean, at some point in this long season, teams are going to stumble. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to go through these lulls, and you hope that this is the lull for the Carolina Panthers and not this 0-2 start. Um, it is that, and you don't go continuing to trip over yourself, and hopefully they can find a win um, in nine days in Arizona. Over the years, in my experience, coaches tend to circle, you know, a dozen or more key plays after a win or a loss. Fans tend to obsess over, you know, one or two or three. And as you know, because it was a topic of conversation after the game, there were a lot of Panther fans asking, hey, you have the best short yardage quarterback in the history of the NFL, according to some of the metrics. Why go kind of gadget play, finesse play with the direct snap to McCaffrey? Uh, it didn't work out. So, of course, the, the second guessers come out of the wood, woodwork. But what, what did you get, if anything? It seemed like Christian McCaffrey blamed himself. Uh, of course, nobody, nobody on the Panthers wanted to blame the play call. What was your sense of that uh, crucial fourth in inches or whatever it was? Well, I think Christian McCaffrey is your work, workhorse. I mean, they, they tried to get him going all, all night. Give Tampa Bay a you know all the credit here. They were putting one or two guys on him constantly and able to stop him in the run game. But he was able to get a couple of passes there at the end. He kind of kept that drive going as they were inching closer to uh, the end zone there. So I'm I'm fine with giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey. I mean, yes, I I'm with the people that are like, why is it in Cam Newton's hands? But it's like, well, did you see the runs that Cam Newton had in that game? Yeah. You know, one he almost fumbled, and the other one it did it, it got turned over. So. I think you do give it to Christian McCaffrey there. You can talk about the play calling all you want, but if that would have ended up in the end zone, Ron Rivera is a hero at the end of the night. So when it comes down to one or two plays like that, or Turner, the play calling, he, he's the hero of the night. When it comes down to one or two plays like that, it's dangerous to, to really pinpoint that, like you were saying, of you know the naysayers are going to come out. But I'm okay. I, I don't. Oh, it's Christian. It's Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I kind of want to ask those people. It's not like they gave it to someone else you know I mean there there were six guys that got the ball in that game Chris Hogan was the one that was added to that from the the week before but all of the guys that were getting the ball they were productive at one point or another in that game so why not give it to Christian McCaffrey Caroline can on her way to the press conference thank you for the time today on the David Glenn show keep up the good work Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. Back to your phone calls on the other side. We had a little bit of everything this week looking back. A PED scandal involving a triple crown winning horse. That was justified last year. They covered it up. The Antonio Brown lawsuit. He has not yet been suspended or put on the exempt list. You have questions and comments and follow-ups on that. We had some wonderful reflections Oddly enough, on 9-11, on that anniversary earlier this week from the Boston College athlete Wells Crowther, who in death was a superhero of 9-11. George W. Bush's famous first pitch 
in the aftermath of that as at a Major League Baseball game, the man in the red bandana, as Wells Crowther became known in a documentary and otherwise. U.S. women's national team legend Heather O'Reilly, now of the North Carolina Courage team in our backyard. She'll be honored tomorrow as the Courage hosts Orlando in NWSL action. They are again atop those standings. And of course, looking forward, we have a lot of good football to discuss. Carolina at Wake, both 2-0 and tonight. That game game is merely hours away. State goes to West Virginia. Number one Clemson visits Syracuse. Florida State visits top 25 Virginia. The Cavaliers, the preseason pick of us and many others to win the Coastal Division. And at 2-0, they have lived up to that. They are the Cavs seeking their first 3-0 start since 2005. Meanwhile, you all know about the Willie Taggart nightmare. Will it continue in Charlottesville this weekend against the Wahoos? Pitt goes to Penn State. ECU opens conference play with a trip to Navy tomorrow afternoon. We'll talk about Florida, Kentucky, Alabama, South Carolina. Georgia has a special theme this weekend that actually honors someone from the visiting squad. A chicken soup for the sports soul type story that I'll share with you on the other side. Our lines are open statewide and beyond. 1-800-849-2761. You know the rules. Questions, comments, complaints, philosophical debates. You didn't like something. You're mad about something. You just need to get something off your chest, Panthers or otherwise. You can be next. 1-800-849-2761. Free for All Friday continues with those stories and your phone calls next. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop after this. Yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. We are coming right back to your phone calls. I gave you most of my analysis, if you want to call it that, of the Panthers' disappointing defeat at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Your questions, your comments, your complaints are welcome. The week that was included Torrey Smith's retirement, a 9-11 sports reflection day with many of your great stories. Antonio Brown's lawsuit. Not on the exempt list yet. May play for the Patriots against the Dolphins this weekend. That is a team decision. The commissioner will not make a decision until they talk to the alleged victim in that case. We have games worth watching all over the place in the NFL, a handful in college football. As we come to Steve, Kevin, Josh, and others calling us from the mountains and the beaches and everywhere you'd want to live in between here in the great state of North Carolina, a reminder of that number, 1-800-849-2761. Vikings at Packers, they're both 1-0. Seahawks at Steelers. Pittsburgh got crushed at New England last week, but a lot of folks think they can still be a good team. We'll see if they bounce back at home against Russell Wilson and Seattle. Dallas at Washington. Cowboys seeking a 2-0 start. Washington trying to avoid an 0-2 start as Jay Gruden is one of those hot seat guys in the NFL. KC at Oakland has turned out to be, unexpectedly, a battle of 1-0 teams. That's one of your late afternoon games on Sunday. So is New Orleans at the Rams. Those two were expected 
expected to be among the best of the NFC. They go head-to-head. -head. They met each other, of course, in that thrilling, controversial NFC title game last year. It'll be Eagles at Falcons on Sunday night. If you're a Panthers fan wondering whether they can do what they did in 2013, and that is become the rare example of starting 0-2 in a 16-game regular season, but yet rallying to make the postseason. Only 11% of the time does that happen for 0-2 teams, at least since 2002, the modern format, if you will. But one of those exceptions was these Panthers under Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. They rallied all the way to 12-4 that year and were a really good team by the time they made the postseason. Glancing forward, by the way, the Panthers visit the Arizona Cardinals Theoretically, last night was one of the more winnable games on the schedule. Theoretically, so is a trip to Arizona to face a team with a rookie head coach and a rookie starting quarterback in Cliff Kingsbury and, of course, Kyler Murray. 1-800-849-2761. The one thing I promised came from the college ranks. As we look forward to UNC at Wake Forest later today on ESPN, 6 o'clock kickoff, an unusual non-conference matchup between teams that have been playing each other since the 1800s and in recent decades – uh, or since the 1950s, I should say, played each other every year until the ACC got so large that you didn't play everybody else once a year. Both teams are good, by the way. The Tar Heels better than expected. You know I've been on the Deacons bandwagon all summer long. Two good quarterbacks to watch, Jamie Newman and Sam Howell. Two good head coaches in Dave Clawson and Mac Brown. Both of them are recent guests here on the David Glenn Show. If you're into powerful running backs, Cade Carney of the Deeks coming back from an injury. Javante Williams can be a runaway freight train for the Tar Heels. If you're into wideouts, Sage Surratt, and Scotty Washington for the Deeks, Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, and others for the Tar Heels. And if you're into rivalries beyond the obvious school rivalries, the Surratt brothers play on opposite teams. Sage is a wide receiver for the Deeks, and Chaz Surratt, former QB for Carolina, moved to linebacker. He's actually starting for the Tar Heels and making a lot of tackles and playing pretty well. So whereas if... Chaz had stayed a quarterback. Their teams could play each other, but of course they wouldn't have been on the field at the same time. Now all that's out the window, man. I mean, if Sage Surratt runs a slant pattern over the middle, maybe Chaz Surratt is there waiting to knock him, you know, knock his helmet off or whatever. That's another angle worth watching as the two and O Tar Heels visit the two and O Demon Deacons. Steve probably needs condolences after the Panthers zero and two start. I mentioned a chicken soup for the sports soul game in college football. If you remember the name Blake Anderson, he was Larry Fedora's offensive coordinator for part of his time as the head coach of the Tar Heels. Really good guy. Did so well early in his tenure with the, the Tar Heels that Arkansas State hired him as their head coach. So Blake Anderson, Arkansas State head coach. His wife, Wendy, has battled breast cancer for the last two years and died, I think it was less than a month ago. Arkansas State plays at number three Georgia in an otherwise meaningless to most of America game. But how's this for cool? The Georgia Bulldogs happened to have a group that was organized when a Georgia fan's wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. They call themselves Bulldogs Battling Breast Cancer. It was founded years ago in Douglasville, Georgia. In that case, the woman beat breast cancer, and she's actually still a Bulldogs fan to this day. Their son played football at Georgia at the time. The mom was diagnosed with a really aggressive form of breast cancer. This is more than 15 years ago. So they create this group, which is a fun story and, and a positive one in itself. 
But when they read about Blake Anderson, this is a college football head coach losing his wife on the cusp of the regular season as a young woman to breast cancer. I mean, that's a jolt that's hard for most of us to comprehend, no matter how many rough places we may have been. So Georgia is or Georgia's the home team now. Arkansas State's visiting. The number three Bulldogs have a huge segment of their fans organizing a pink out to bring additional awareness to breast cancer research and to honor the late wife of Arkansas State coach Blake Anderson. He found out about this from the media earlier this week. He was moved to tears. Like, he didn't even know. Like, are you guys serious? It was just the Jonesboro, Arkansas media that followed that that, uh, program in that league. He's caught off guard. He's teared up. And he just said, that is a completely genuine, classy gesture from people who don't even know you. It's very surprising, obviously very much appreciated. It caught me off guard, to be honest. It teared me up. I wasn't expecting it. I'm extremely flattered and thankful for those folks and so many others that have stepped up in so many different ways. So there's a little off-the-beaten-trail story for a college football weekend that does offer a few compelling matchups, 2-0 Florida, 2-0 Kentucky being one of them. Iowa, Iowa State is where college game day is for ESPN. So that's obviously, I mean, think about it. Week zero game day was at Miami, Florida. Those are, those are teams that have won multiple national championships. Not as much lately, but high-profile programs. Week two, it was Oregon-Auburn, both nationally ranked, right, among the powers in their respective Power Five conferences. Last week, it was LSU-Texas. Those were the three first three game day travel carnivals. To this week, it's a little bit of a step down. It's, it's barely in the top 20 Iowa visiting Iowa's rival, Iowa State, but – I don't think a lot of people in the other 49 states really care all that much. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Steve, the Panthers fan, welcome to the David Glenn Show. My condolences. How are you? Uh, DG. Uh, give me a minute, DG. <laughs> That's why uh, I left you on hold, Steve. That was that was so you could gather yourself. All right, DG, just, just, I mean, let me see if I can start the right place to end somewhere in planet Earth. Um, Romer, I mean, Cam, I don't know if anybody that's smart enough to watch anything about football from the inside out instead of just the scoreboard can see that this is not working with his quarterback. So this is where I had the biggest problem with Ron Rivera. Yes, Cam Newton may be this franchise, may be making a lot of money, but your number one job is to try to win the game. So if it requires a spot, it's not like Cam Newton is running a ton anymore. So let's put the most accurate quarterback in there. I've seen Samuel come back and him and D, you know. You want to see? You wanted to DJ see Kyle Allen. You wanted to see Kyle Allen last night. They, they looked at each other, Dave, and you could tell that they was frustrated. These, there was wide open. There was no ball was wasn't even the catchable for the interceptor. Yeah, I mean, when you complete less than fifty percent of your passes in an NFL game, that's a debacle. And, and Cam was just below fifty percent. And I think symbolic of the whole night. Now, I'm not with you in terms of Kyle Allen. I might be with Steve in the bigger picture. If you're, with, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you have to decide, can Cam still be in his 30s a dual-threat quarterback or not? You must make that philosophical choice. Because related to that philosophical choice, if you think he's just taken such a pounding and been through so many surgeries that he has to dramatically cut back on the running, again, a guy who's averaged eight carries and 40 yards a game rushing over eight years has only five rushes for minus two yards through two weeks. That, again, is not dialing it back. 
That's not scaling it back a bit by bit. That's a night and day difference. If you believe he can't be the dual-threat quarterback anymore, well, Norv Turner's hire a year ago makes even more sense because that's what Norv does. He's more about pocket passing and less about, you know, the dual-threat QB. But Cam Newton, in this game last night, had a single three-and-out possession where all three in the three-and-out were his missed throws. I don't have as much confidence in Kyle Allen if that's what you're saying, Steve. I just I don't see that part of this equation. Will Greer, the rookie from West Virginia, is not ready to be the answer yet either. So I see a bigger picture challenge here. What do you think Cam can be moving forward? He is 30, but only 30, right? So is he an old 30 because of how many ticks, uh, surgeries and hits he's taken? I don't know. 24 completions in 50 attempts. He still had 300 yards, but he was sacked three times. He fumbled, and he just flat-out missed dudes. There was a nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter series. Cam looks left for Curtis Samuel, but underthrows the ball by a lot. Second and 10. Cam throws to a wide-open DJ Moore. Would have been a first down, no doubt about it. Overthrows him. So misses Samuel with an underthrow, misses DJ Moore wide open with an overthrow. Now it's third and 10. Curtis Samuel cuts over the middle. As the TV announcers mentioned, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, if Cam throws accurately to Curtis Samuel there, he was headed to the side of the field that was almost vacant. And Curtis has some wheels on him. So, okay, let's say on the first throw, Vernon Hargraves had pretty good coverage on Curtis Samuel. And, and maybe he underthrew it on purpose. Okay. Second and 10, wide open DJ Moore overthrow. Third and 10, Samuel was cutting quickly. It's not an easy throw, but it's one NFL quarterbacks make regularly. Instead, Cam throws it way behind Curtis. Curtis can't handle it, and instead of a sure first down, you have to punt the ball, and it's a three and out because of three bad throws by Cam. On the broadcast, former Cowboys quarterback Troy Aikman actually said, in that moment, I wrote it down because I was thinking the same thing, and glad to hear that a polished former NFL quarterback shared my views. Accuracy is number one on the list of things you must have to be a quality quarterback in this league. I mean, Troy Aikman wants, to have, wants you to have a whole bunch of things, but that's where his list starts. And Cam, on three straight throws, two of them open receivers. These are not 20 yards downfield, folks. One was a massive underthrow to DJ Moore. The other, a behind a cutting Curtis Samuel over the middle. You... you you had three straight bad throws, two straight at atrocious throws, and that's with nine minutes to go and really the game on the line. They ended up with another opportunity later, obviously, uh, but they couldn't punch it in on the fourth and inches at the end, and the rest is history. 0-2 teams do not have a great track record of bouncing back and making the playoffs. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the other side. In the spirit of free-for-all Friday, Josh has college football on his mind. Gary wants in as well. We've got a little bit of a lot of other things going on. And in the spirit of free-for-all Friday, you can file your complaint, offer your question, comment, prediction, or otherwise. Just remember, the NASCAR boys have started their playoffs. The NHL guys are back. Carolina Hurricanes and friends, the opener is less than one month away. It'll be Thursday, October 3rd against the Canadians. I will see you there. The PGA Tour this weekend is starting its 2020 schedule. Sounds early, I know, but that's how it works in golf land. Tyson Fury is the featured boxer in a heavyweight match in that sport. 
College basketball schedules have been announced. The season starts in early November. Big schedule unveiled last night. The World Cup of basketball is coming to an end this weekend in China. And Team USA is playing Poland for seventh place as Spain and Argentina are playing for the gold medal. A crazy bad month for Greg Popovich and a watered-down Team USA roster there. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball is coming down the home stretch. If you're a Yankees, Dodgers, or Astros fan, you are rooting for one of the super heavyweights of that sport. If you're a Braves fan, a Cardinals fan, a Nationals fan, a Twins fan, you also are headed to the playoffs. After that, there's some wild cards up for grabs. Heck, even my Phillies are alive, barely, but they're alive, right? Three teams fighting for two in the AL. There's probably six fighting for two in the NL right now. Cubs, Brewers, Phillies, Mets, Diamondbacks all have a legit shot there. And your baseball weekend does include the Braves at the Nationals, both playoff teams, the Dodgers, super heavyweight against the Mets, still hanging in there, Minnesota at Cleveland, Milwaukee at St. Louis, and Darren Vaught's beloved Boston Red Sox, who are all but officially eliminated coming off their World Series campaign. And my beloved Philadelphia Phillies, those two go head-to-head. Phillies hanging by a thread as the, the regular season comes down the home stretch. Josh, Gary, Russell, Kevin, and others, we will follow your lead on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. More of what the NFL and college football have to offer in the coming days with more of your phone calls next. Davos Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to see How you. you? I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Colosseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. 1-800-849-2761. A whole lot going on in the sports world, led by NFL Week 2 and College Football Week 3. It was a disaster for your Panthers. They have dropped to 0-2. Cam Newton is now 0-8 in his last eight starts for your Carolina Panthers. Can you ruin a three-month-long season in just two weeks? Well, we're about to find out. Panthers head to Arizona next. We're coming to your phone calls now. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Four days a week, you follow our lead, our great guests, our crazy rants and musings. One day a week, we follow yours. Kevin is in Burlington and has the NFL on his mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hey, David. Hey, man. So, I know this is going to sound like I'm targeting him, but, you know, Cam is just, everything he does is about this look at me, look at me, like, his down to his outfit that he wears after on the you know post game. I mean, does he have anybody at home that loves him and tells him, look, you know that ain't working for you there? But everything he does is designed for you to look at him. And I know he's got teammates that despise that. He asks it. Well, why are people obsessed by what he wears though? Like if in your neighborhood you wore I don't know cut off jeans, and you went to your cousin in Hollywood, California, and they said that Kevin in Burlington guy, man, what a hick from North Carolina. In your world, maybe it's cool, and in their world, they're looking down on you. Like, why are we obsessing over whether he wears a hat or has a feather in his hat or whether he wears different clothes than you would wear or your friends would wear? I don't get that part. Now, there is a bigger question about leadership. And last night, for example, there is no way anybody can say that Cam Newton's words were, woe is me. 
I mean, his outfit, you can say, is an attention grabber, but he's not the only guy. I mean, back when I was born, Joe Namath was an I love when people look at me guy, right? If you dislike all guys who fit that description, and man, that's a long, long, long list. The great boxer, Floyd Mayweather Jr., is a look at me guy, right? And he dresses differently than you might. Joe Namath was wearing mink or fur coats back in the 1970s. Like, were you saying, I can't believe that clown, he's wearing fur coats as a representative of the New York Jets. I just don't get why people care so much. If you care about things that impact football and, or impact his leadership role, that then I get it. But why do you, Kevin, get to decide what's right to wear or what's wrong to wear? Why do you get to decide what culture can celebrate hats and other accessories, but you in Burlington don't do it that way, so your way is right and their way is wrong? Like, this is a really weird topic to me. Why does it matter? If he, if he wants to wear suit shorts, right, I wouldn't wear suit shorts, but so the freak what? He doesn't have to approve of my dress, and I don't have to approve of his. I'm wearing right now Tommy Bahama-type stuff. Maybe in Cam Newton's neighborhood growing up in Alabama, they're looking at me like the old geeky white guy who listens to too much Jimmy Buffett music and actually wears sandals to his sports radio show. Who, why is their way wrong or my way right or vice versa? Why can't we let this stuff go? If it has to do with his leadership and it ha or it has to do with his on-the-field football presence, I get the conversation. Cam is a look-at-me guy. You don't do a Superman pose after something as minimal as a first down unless you are a look-at-me guy. But, you know, Brett Favre was a look-at-me guy for more modern vintage than a Joe Namath. The, the clothing stuff weirds me out because I think a lot of people don't understand that they're making racially charged comments. Cam's neighborhood dresses this way, and we white people don't like it. My neighborhood dresses this way, and because we're white people, we get to make the rules. You don't get to make the rules. That's the point. Who cares what he wears? Who cares if he has a hat or not? Who cares where, what watch he's wearing? I, it just doesn't impact football unless it trickles into the locker room. Now, if you start to lose your team because you're posing after first downs, and they're not unhappy with whatever. If they think you're not preparing enough, you know, that certainly would cause you to lose the locker room. But these other things, man, they're just they're going down dangerous roads where I think a lot of the people most mad about clothes don't understand that they're trying to impose on others their culture. I mean, I grew up with some of my own uncles, you know, saying words like, look at those thugs with those dreadlocks. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get to decide who gets to wear the Johnny Unitas hair. He's a bad guy because he wears his hair differently than you've become accustomed to in white land America. Whoa. Like these things are the underpinnings of racism where racists can't look in the mirror and see their own racism. You don't get to make the freaking rules. Let people dress the way they're comfortable dressing. If I don't like your jean shorts, who cares? If you don't like my Tommy Bahama, who cares? If we don't like or do like, whatever. I don't, I don't have a problem. Like, I've spent my whole life being dressed by my sister, then my mom, then my girlfriends, then my wife, then my daughter. Like, that's how, that's how advanced I am when it comes to clothing. I just don't care. I, I've owned my own business. 
We're not on TV for the most part. So if you come up, come to work, do your job, go home, frankly, I don't really even care how you work. If we were in a, a visual medium, we'd have to care a little bit differently. For now, we're mostly radio. But why? Like, I'm right because your skirt is too long or too short? No. You're the one putting the article of clothing on. You get to decide. You can send whatever message you want to send. You can send no message at all if you don't want to. The obsession with Cam's accessories, to me, should lead to people asking themselves, what is really bothering them? What is bothering them? Is it what he says? If it's the towel over the head, then I understand you. That's not good leadership. If it's bailing on a Super Bowl press conference, then I understand. That's bad leadership, right? These are actually things that can impact the product on the field. The hat, the accessories, the hairstyle. You don't get to decide what's a good hairstyle or what's not, man. Can't we just celebrate that some people wear their hair this way? Wouldn't the world be a lot more boring? What, what do we want? Everybody has the same color hair and the same style? Is that what we're looking for here? Come on, man. Diversity can be a beautiful thing. And even if I can't, I couldn't have my hair. I would love to. We would raise money to fight a horrible disease. If I could, I would get a professional hair stylist to make my hair like Cam Newton's. And I would just parade around and everybody could take all the goofy photos they want because we all know Cam wears that better than I possibly could as a guy whose hair is not quite wired to be styled that way. But I think it could raise awareness. You don't get to make the rules. Let other people be themselves under their own rules. If they're not hurting you, your accusations come across in a way that raises some really scary questions to me. It's, it's let's talk about Cam's leadership and or performance, which we've criticized as much as anybody else these last two weeks. Let's stay away from the racially charged, he's wearing his hair in a way that my friends don't and my family doesn't, or his choices in clothing are different than the way we do things around here. I, it, it, I, I can't believe that so many people cannot see the own, their, their own ignorance when it comes to such things. You don't have the right to tell somebody else to live by the standards of your culture. You don't have the right to do that. So in their world, maybe those hats are great. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I am not the authority on clothing, hats, or accessories. 1-800-849-2761. That's the second time today we're going down a weird road. Can we talk about football? Somebody tells me they're, they're tired of me bringing up the race card. Well, if there weren't so many ignorant racist people in our country who are too ignorant to realize their own racism, I wouldn't have to bring it up. But the idea that I'm going to apologize for bringing it up, you don't know me very well if you think that's the case. I am professionally trained in matters of race and gender. I see things at my current age that I could not have seen at 16 years old. The fact that many of you were raised in a state where your preachers were racist. Seriously. You could go to church in North Carolina a generation or so ago, and your preacher told you that black people and white people shouldn't marry each other. That's the backdrop here. You've had governors who were outright verifiable racists your dad or granddad or mom or grandma or whatever aunts and uncles it's not easy to fight those prejudices and that racist dna excuse the expression 
But that's the reality, folks. Seriously, I'm not making this stuff up. In church, not crazy long ago, the respected member of the community preacher was telling you that black people and white people weren't supposed to marry each other. So anybody thinking that there's not a whole lot left over from that kind of baggage, you are naive. You are truly ignorant. That does not mean stupid. It means ignorant. You just do not know any better. I've got somebody from law enforcement telling me that I shouldn't play the race card. You as a member of law enforcement, you tell me, while if you're black in the state of North Carolina, you're four times more likely to be pulled over, even though they have isolated every other variable. That's a fact. That's a fact. Time of day, whether you're doing anything illegal, they isolated all the variables. And you're still four times more at risk to be pulled over and searched. That's according to a bipartisan study. That's modern-day state of North Carolina. So you're giving me your ignorant opinion based on no facts, and I'm hitting you with a sledgehammer of facts about how life really is in modern-day North Carolina. That's the reality. I'm giving you science and evidence and facts, and you're telling me I'm making you uncomfortable. You know what my answer is? Good. I like making, I like making ignorant, racist people uncomfortable. We're back after this throwback justice league you know batman wonder woman superman aquaman if there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life aquaman is your guy zay jones is dominating the three cone drill aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill this is the david glenn show Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Let me squeeze in Josh in Chapel Hill. He has college football on his mind. Josh, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Be as quick as you can. We will roll with calls throughout Hour 3. Josh, who will have the most wins in the state this season? You have a new answer or an old one? Josh in Chapel Hill, are you there? Going once, going twice. He might have thought we were going to not take him until the other side. Josh, is he there? Josh is not there. Hello? Oh, there Hello? he is. Josh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're on, man. Go right ahead. You're running out of time. Oh, yeah, I think uh, A&T's going to have the most uh, wins this year. North, North Carolina A&T, yeah, they lost to Duke last week, but against FCS opponents, uh, they have been really, really good for a really long time. They have a new quarterback, and that's always a little bit scary, but we play a game every year. Which in-state team will have the most wins? I think North Carolina A&T is one of the best bets along those lines. They've been getting into double digits almost every year, even through the retirement of Rod Broadway and the passing of the torch to Sam Washington. A loss to Duke was expected. Get back into conference play and against other teams at your level, and the Aggies are expected to be in a power once again. Back to your calls, free-for-all Friday style, next. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show.